Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. We're just hours away from one of the biggest days on the Irish calendar, St. Patrick's Day. We'll hear from the Lord Mayor of Dublin as the capital gears up for close to half a million revellers. President Michael D. Higgins denounces racism and xenophobia in his St. Patrick's Day address. And it's a huge weekend for sport with Cheltenham in full flow and the rugby team aiming for a grand slam. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Across the country tonight, people are preparing for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations if they haven't already kicked them off. Nearly half a million people are expected to turn out in Dublin and thousands of people will do the same across all 32 counties. Let's bring in Kira Doherty, who is live now at the Mansion House uh, with the Lord Mayor of Dublin to see how preparations are going there. Kira. Yes, thanks, Claire. I'm here in the drawing room of the Mansion House, the official residence of the Lord Mayor of Dublin, located just off St Stephen's Green in Dublin city centre. And I must say the streets were remarkably quiet, but I would hazard a guess that that will all have changed in 12 hours' time. Last year, 400,000 people attended the parade in Dublin and they're hoping to top that this year with a parade that involves 4,000 participants and 15 marching bands. And as you said, these parades are repeated right across the country in all the major cities, in Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, Belfast and in many towns and villages. But it's much bigger than that. St Patrick's Day is an international festival. We're all probably familiar with the big parades in New York, in Boston, in Chicago. But there will be parades tomorrow in Munich, in Montreal in Buenos Aires, in Tokyo, in Sydney and in Auckland, to name but a few. In fact, Claire, I think before we come off air tonight, given the time difference, the Auckland St. Patrick's Day Parade will have kicked off. I'm delighted now to say that I'm joined by Dublin's Lord Mayor, Caroline Conroy. Good evening to you and thank you for speaking to us on The Tonight Show. This your first St. Patrick's Day. What will your role be tomorrow and what are you looking forward to? Um, well, I'm looking forward to the noise, the excitement, the colour. Um, we're expecting over 500,000 people to attend the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Um, I officially opened the parade by going in the really fancy carriage down O'Connell Street with my family and then we disembark at the stand and then um, we, we get on with the parade then at 12 o'clock. And the organisers have said that their ambition is bigger than ever this year. So what can we expect? Well, as you pointed out, there's over 15 uh, marching bands, over 4,000 people uh, 
actually participate in, in on the parade. And then we have a festival for a few days where we have uh, a lot of family-friendly events going on. And then in the evening times, there's a Kaylee, um, there's bands, the Pillow Queens. Um, so it's, I'd say it's going to be a really exciting few days, not just a day. It's a festival now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Now, the theme for the festival this year is one. That's the word that they've chosen. What's the meaning behind one? Well, it's about that we're all different, but that we're all one. Um, it's about community, it's about youth, it's about uh, inclusion, it's about diversity. Um, and it was, it was um, the, the team one was decided, say, a year ago. It wasn't just recently after everything that's going on recently, but it's very apt to what's going on now. So it's about coming together and being inclusive. So why did they choose it as a theme? Why did they think that this was important to try and recognise, as you say, the diversity within our communities, that everyone is different, but we unite as one tomorrow? Well, our community is changed um, and we are very diverse and I, I think that's had an added advantage to our community. Um, some of the parades, there's 20 community parade, um, uh, groups going to attend the parade tomorrow as well and they're a very diverse and mixed um, background and I think it's going to look fabulous. So we're going to expect that diversity to be reflected in the parade exactly, tomorrow. Exactly. Um, one of the things I suppose we will hear about tomorrow and the days after St Patrick's Day is some of the antisocial behaviour that we've come to express, uh, expect and the um, excessive alcohol intake. Um, what can be done to try and address that and is it something that concerns you? Well, after attending a number of the meetings, I'm very confident that the plans that are put in place um, will help the situation. Um, Assistant Commissioner Angela Willis is a fantastic woman who has put in place fantastic plans. I've seen the plans. Uh, they've brought on extra guards. They have the new guard station now on O'Connell Street. And also Dublin City Council uh, have put in place plans to make it run as smooth as possible. And most people that are coming into the parade are coming in for fun and excitement. And there will be a few that will probably get um, a bit boisterous. But, uh, what is your message to them? Well, that, remember, it, it's a day of celebration and that we're, we are in the spotlight across the world. Everybody looks. We're, we're really lucky that um, so many countries celebrate our day and uh, we're recognised across the world. We have um, a population of 80 million, but only 6 million living here because we've spread out across the world. And it's fantastic. I think it's, it's certainly a day to celebrate and we should show the best of our side tomorrow. Why are you proud, Lord Mayor, to be Irish in 2023? I, I'm, I'm proud to be Irish because we're welcoming. We're a bit of crack. Um, we have a good reputation for giving that Cade Mila Falce and uh, we care about each other. We've always had that community sense of looking after each other and I, I love that about us Irish and even our new Irish um, are the same and I want us to showcase that tomorrow. So it really is a day when all eyes are on Ireland, when we should, as you say, showcase the best of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, we have so much to celebrate, our music, our language, um, our dance. Um, and as I said, um, talking to people who live outside of the country, the thing they love about Ireland is how friendly and welcoming we are. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, Lord Mayor of Dublin, Carolyn Conroy, thank you for speaking to us this evening. Uh, back to you in studio, Claire. Kira.
Thank you for that and thanks to the Lord Mayor for joining us on the programme tonight. Well, let's bring in our panel. I'm joined by journalist Damien Tiernan, broadcaster Trishona Archer, columnist Eno Doherty and broadcaster Keith Walsh. And before I get to the panel, I just want you to take a listen uh, to some of the people who have come to Dublin for the big weekend. This is uh, our first time. It's very lovely. The people are so... Uh, Nice to us, but uh, there's one problem last night, uh, or last, last evening. It's, uh, in German, it's only an evening time, 11 o'clock. It's here, it's, uh, it's, it's closed everything, and no alcohol at the stores at all. We, we got panic. It's <laughs> oh, uh, not good. Also. <laughs> then uh, we go to our hotel room and then drink uh, what we have in our baggage. <laughs> I think it's a crazy experience. I mean, it means so much to be here and to just have this experience and be with my friends and get to enjoy it all. I think it's just a great experience. It's been great. We took a tour of the city and, um, you know, it's a great city. Enjoying a pint now and going to get some food in a little bit. It'll be a great time. First time here. Uh, my great-grandfather immigrated from Ireland to Chicago. And I'm just happy to be here and take in the culture. Some of the views of people who've flown in uh, for this weekend. Um, Keith Walsh, to bring you in on this, and I was actually just laughing there at the panic in that um, German man's face when he thought he couldn't get a drink beyond 11 o'clock last night after flying in for this weekend of revelry. Um, but it is it does seem that everyone coming here is looking for the ultimate party. Is this what Paddy's Day is about, throwing caution to the wind and heading to the nearest pub? Um... Yeah, why not? Like, I, I don't really... I think there's a bit of... Um, I don't know what it is. We're, we're trying to uh, portray this, you know, responsible... We're, you know, we're responsible people. We're, we're learned people and we, you know, we can enjoy ourselves responsibly and we, we, we behave a certain way. All eyes are on us and we worry about the, what the rest of the world thinks of us. So we have to behave in a certain way. And I kind of feel like it's, it's Paddy's Day. I don't drink myself and I certainly won't be going into the town and I certainly won't be going to the parade. And if I did go to the parade, I'd be getting the hell out of there afterwards because that just wouldn't be my scene. But there is a place for people just to throw caution to the wind. But uh, just about the parade, would, would it not be your scene because you wouldn't feel like you, you think it's just going to be a booze fest in town? Is, is, is that Yeah, because, it? well, it, it's, for me, it would just be like, oh, get the hassle of getting in there, the hassle of getting out, the people, the crowds, the booze, the, you know, the mess. Like, I just, it just wouldn't be for me. Like, I, I mean, I've done it. I've brought my children in, I, I, you know, maybe once and just said never again. But I wouldn't go in myself and I certainly would get out of town. I met some Americans on the train yesterday, would you believe it? And they were heading into town. I said, what are you doing, you know, Paddy's Day? And they said, we're going into the parade. And I said, just leave, you know, just before the end, leave. You know, get out of town and go somewhere nice and quiet and enjoy yourselves, you know. And I was telling them where else they could go because I said, it's going to get mad. And I think, you know, it, it's weird for me. I just feel like they should be allowed to just let loose and... and uh, wreck the gap for a while, you know, like, and, yeah. and it's it's one day of the year. You it's know? an interesting take. So, look, it's not for you and you do think it it is, it's messy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's messy, a messy but, occasion. But also, can I just but say, like, the, the politicians are like the boss going, oh, it's going to be very busy now, Christmas Eve, very busy. I won't be here now, but, you know, it's going to be very, like, the, all the politicians feck off and leave the guards to, to, to deal with the job. To, to deal I, I don't, with this I don't get that either, yeah, like, you know? On foot of this, Ian, what we've seen is this, um, I know it is, a, it is voluntary, of course, and this isn't the first year that it's happened, but they're asking that off-licence sales are restricted until four o'clock in the afternoon so that we don't have the crazy street drinking scenes. Um, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a form of prohibition well, or is this just, you know, taking... We, we, the day a little bit responsibly. We have a very Irish idea for 
the Ultimate Irish Day, um, a voluntary ban. We have a strange way of going about things at times. Um, <clears throat> what I find is that St. Patrick's Day is hugely important internationally, and we shouldn't underestimate the importance of that. And it is immensely irritating domestically. Um, I can't stand it. I really can't. There's two days of the year that I really dread. It's Paddy's Day and New Year's Eve, because it's when all the amateurs right. it's when all the amateurs come out, and you can't, you know. Oh my, this is this is all really negative tonight. I mean, we're <laughs> celebrating our, our, our the, 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 the feast saint. day of come the patron on. saint of this country, and it's well, it's the, among the, the, the worst the, days of the year, Ian you know, O'Doherty. Well, I mean, what about St Patrick's writings? Come on, talk to no, me about St Patrick's writings. I used to work in. Now, <laughs> I, I admit that I probably have a personal bias, um, because I used to work in the city centre. And I'd be working on Paddy's Day and trying to get, just get through town. And I remember there was one day about 10 o'clock and I was running late into the newsroom as usual. And uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and there were two women weighing in the doorstep in pennies and stuff. And it's, it's like, it's a bit like, you know, the, Am the, the Amish have room springer where they're allowed to yeah. go completely mental. Mm. And basically Paddy's Day is our room springer. And but, that's fine. If people want to do it... Now, I mean, I used to go yeah, into the parade as a kid because it was hilarious to see American cheerleaders fainting from hypothermia as they tried to tell them. It's a very different... It is a very know. different parade now. And I do remember going in as a kid in, in the 80s and the sort of the big floats from the supermarkets. And this was like Dublin city centre and you'll see it right around the country And all as well, of them like were colour gas. Do you remember that? There was colour yeah, gas I mean, there was a lot everywhere. of advertising. They've changed it up and it's... Um, it's a whole street festival. There's huge themes involved. There's an awful lot of money pumped into it to make it more of a festival than a one-day parade through the streets. Mm. Um, have they succeeded uh, in kind of getting that theme right and um, attracting a crowd and, and making it, a, I suppose, an event to be proud of and a day to really enjoy? Do you think, Trishona? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I don't know what these guys are going on about. I think uh, Paddy's Day is great. I think it Saint, is... St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Really nice. I think they have absolutely succeeded in making it a festival. I have friends coming over from America. They're excited to join in the party. I know there's this Is it a big whole... deal? Is it a big deal for them? Like, why is it that they want to be here... Are, are, are the expectations pretty high? Very high, very high. I feel like I will have to show them like a really good time bringing them around, but I think that won't be difficult. There's so many different yeah. activities taking place, uh, different groups are putting on, you know, different shows. As you said there, it is kind of like a, a festival vibe. So I don't know, if you're not into mm. the alcohol drinking, you don't have to do that. I, don't, I personally don't drink. Mm. So I don't think it is a festival just You don't think it's about... a, prere a prerequisite? No. because. Also, I suppose I wonder, can we complain? Because it's been spoken about a, a lot this week and I suppose there was the SNL sketch in America of, mm. of um, you know, all around the, the drinking Irish and then references to the fighting Irish and, and all of that on, on the world stage, I guess, that some people weren't very happy about. But can we complain when we do market ourselves as a drink and crack-loving place? What do you think? I think I was driving on the way up this morning thinking about this and, like, the whole idea... I actually read uh, Confessions of St. Patrick years ago. Not a bad read now, I'll tell you. Section 37 of it, it referred to by the, in the bishop's statement today. I'll tell you now, right? And he talked about the whole idea of uh, him being an, Im an immigrant, him being taunted, him mm. being a slave, and the idea of the message of love. And we talk about the whole drink thing, and we started this by talking about the drink thing. There's an awful lot of people that this doesn't involve drink. Mm. They literally like going to Mass. There's loads of people who will have gone to Mass tonight. Loads of people who will go, go to Mass in the morning. A lot more than they will on a Sunday. 
and then they'll obviously go to the parade. Do you believe maybe. that tradition is still strong, Damien? Yeah, I do, genuinely do, very much so. Now, yeah. Damien, I don't want to disagree with you here, but I have to give you the other side of the story. And the story is that the snakes were a metaphor for the Druids. Ah, uh, no. That St. Patrick came over and drove the Druids out of Ireland. And this is what your American friends will tell you now. Oh, you see? He drove the Druids out of Ireland and brought Catholicism in and then were ruined from that day on. But so, the, the, so, the thing and, is... So a man from England came over and drove our great Wales. Druids out. Okay, Wales. Well, Wales. 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 Okay. Sorry, just, just briefly, <laughs> very briefly. He wrote these confessions just before he died, right? 200 years later then, they basically took all of this stuff and they made up these myths about it. He was supposed to part of the waters in the Shannon, as Blind Boy would say on his podcast. So they created this whole image and mythology to sell Irish Christianity abroad, just like Leo and okay, the boys are selling. So marketing, marketing, marketing in the early came days. into it in a big way. OK, well, look, let's have a, a little listen to what um, our Uchthron have to say about all of this, because in his St. Patrick's Day message, President uh, Michael D. Higgins condemned the growing rise of racism and what he refers to as a poisonous xenophobia. And he talked about St. Patrick's message in all of that. Do take a listen. There are many powerful echoes from Patrick's life that resonate with our contemporary circumstances. Ones that have brought new forms of slavery into being, where racism is increasing rather than decreasing in so many parts of the world, where a poisonous xenophobia, new and recalled, has taken hold in so many places. It is in these spaces where fear is being sold. The story of Patrick's transformation that would lead to his becoming an emblem of the country he adopted as his own stands in counterpoint and is so important. Michael D. Higgins speaking there and not holding back, um, as we know, he never does. Trishona, when you listened to what he had to say there, uh, is that the right speech at the right time, in your opinion? Absolutely. I think it, there isn't a more perfect time than now. We see what's happening online and everywhere with... The far right movement, just their voices seem to be louder than ever. And I feel like we need more leaders to be speaking out and saying we're not a country that accepts racism. We're not a xenophobic country. If anything, you know, we stand together. And I think the only way we can silence these people is by speaking out. And if we have more people who are prominent, like Michael D. Higgins, our president, speaking out and saying we do, will not tolerate this, that's the only way we can actually silence these absolutely horrendous voices. Yeah, and um, as I said, he's always been very forthright in, in his message, In um, And would you agree with Trishana now that, you know, sometimes people hold back on their language and they hold back on, uh, on speaking a truth that many people maybe feel in this country because they're scared of upsetting, you know, politics or other, other matters, that it is the right time to just speak with a bit of honesty on matters such as this, matters well, like migration? It's impossible to pretty much disagree with anything he said. Um... Also, though, what I would add to what he didn't say was that according to the Global Slavery Index, there's at least 9 million slaves around the world. So if he wanted to talk about slavery, he could have actually brought that point up. And I do think... Um, I don't know about anybody else in the panel, but I regularly do battle with the far right. Um, I debate them because I believe in the concept of freedom of speech. And it's not that I'm a particularly good debater, but I win all of them because their ideas are ridiculous. Mm. Right. Um, so the best way to beat bad ideas is to bring them out into the public and beat them. Um, but I also think it's important to point out that if the local hotel in your village is now completely occupied by immigrants and you're unhappy with that, that doesn't make you far right. Mm -hmm. do, you know, and, but like one of the things about when he was talking with the Ukrainians, um, 
there's a couple of Ukrainian families in my estate. Um, one of the things that I think is gas, it's brilliant, and they're obsessed with dogs. And anybody who's ever noticed the news reports from Ukraine, there's always pets involved, right? So when I walk my dogs out, these kids always come over. And I love the fact that they're now speaking in a Dublin accent. There's something about that that I find really charming, right? We're a welcoming, kind people. There's always going to be a couple of lulas out there, but you can't start right. tarring everybody with the same brush. Well, I think you have to. What? I think you have to. I think, I think, if, I think you can't... If, if there's refugees in a hotel and you're, you've got some problem with that, like people do, go and speak to the right person. Mm. It's not right to be standing outside a hotel asking for these people to leave. It's, it's, it, this has nothing to do with the refugees. This it's has the lack to, of this consultation. Is, this is to do with the system. Forget about consultation. This is to do with the system. So yeah. look at the people who are in charge of the system, sure. not the people who are looking for safety from, from war. It's got nothing to do with them. There's no war in Albania. If we're defining, because as part of this discussion, he was defining who we are, I suppose, identifying who we are as a people in 2023 and talking about, um, you know, Patrick's uh, decent instincts of humanity and how we should all have that um, in us or, or look to reflect on all of that. Uh, Damien, when you think about what it means to be Irish in 2023, where do you see us? You know, where, how, how, do you, how do you see us doing as a, as, as a people and I, our confidence and our place in the world? We're doing exactly what a lot of other countries are grappling with at the minute in terms of rising migration, mm. climate warming and all that's coming with that and wars. And other countries are having the same issues. So it's been unbelievable, the changes in the last year. And you can see how some people will react in different ways. And that's understandable, but it doesn't make it right. And lies, Aoife Gallagher has written a brilliant book, The Web of Lies. And mm. lies will spread a lot faster than truth or facts. And when a lie, like there's people on Facebook tonight that are probably spreading lies and spreading rumours. And like there was an incident in Dungarvan recently and a far right group, a hate group trying to set up mm. there. Like the people at Dungarvan, the vast majority of them are lovely, decent, honest, nice, hardworking people. But if they get sucked into this narrative, it's hard to get out of it because we know the way the algorithms work. And that's yeah. what some way might define people that are Irish. They might say, well, I'm looking at this in, a, in an Irish way. Yeah. Well, that's why social not. media is the worst invention of the last hundred years. Social media has done more to destroy society than yeah. But I mean, the reality is that social media is here. This is, this is, this is where we're at in the world. We, we can't shut that, that down. No and it does offer in, in also Germany that freedom, freedom of thought that, yeah, that, that people well, if can express. Got rid of, if we got rid of anonymity on social media, you'd see an awful lot of this mm. dying down. Well... You know. People right. weren't anonymous and they were out, outwardly right-wing. So OK, I don't know if all right. Well, we'll leave um, that conversation there for now. But my panel will be staying on with me. Um, we'll have the latest live in Washington as the Taoiseach prepares to meet President Joe Biden and lots more coming up after the break. Do stay with us. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back. Well, the St. Patrick's Day celebrations will have their big political set piece tomorrow as the Taoiseach visits the White House to meet with President Joe Biden. Virgin Media political correspondent Gavin Riley is there, and uh, he joins me now. And Gavin... We've had this uh, news emerging this evening, an apology from the Taoiseach for any offence caused by remarks he made at an event earlier today in which he referred to interns. Uh, Tell us about this, Gavin. Uh, this was an event, Claire, that the Taoiseach was attending uh, in the shadow of Capitol Hill, an event organised by the Washington Ireland programme. Now, some people may be familiar uh, with that programme, but for those who aren't, the Washington Ireland programme is effectively a college internship arrangement where people of college age who have an interest in current affairs or politics are offered placements, Irish-based students, are offered placements in Washington with various representatives on Capitol Hill. Leo Varadkar is himself a former alumnus of that programme. He had an internship on Capitol Hill around about the year 2000 while he was a student in Trinity College. So he was attending that event this afternoon in the shadow of Capitol Hill with this year's intake of prospective interns and he said that at the time that he was on placement in Capitol Hill in the year 2000 that it was a time when parents in Ireland would be worried about the fate or welfare of the interns on Capitol Hill. Now that is obviously a reference to the interactions between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky which had been a dominant theme at that time but the idea that the Taoiseach would be making an unplanned off-the-cuff remark about an instance in which effectively there was predatory behaviour displayed against a vulnerable young woman is something which hasn't gone down terribly well. Now the has put his hands up and said that it was an off-the-cuff remark which was ill-judged and that he's apologised for any offence caused. So the government and the Taoiseach coming hands up about that one. One other issue, however, yesterday, which was reported in this morning's newspapers, which, which they're showing a little bit of pushback. That was the contention in the Irish Daily Mail that there had been a snub to some tech investors by the Taoiseach declining to have lunch with them yesterday. Um, the government sources and those around the Taoiseach strongly uh, resisting that suggestion. What they're saying on that front is that the Taoiseach did actually have the meeting with all the people who are concerned, as was scheduled, that there may have been a suggestion from some of those investors that the Taoiseach remain behind with them beyond the scheduled time to enjoy lunch with them. The Taoiseach was unable to do that because he had prior commitments, but the the suggestion that therefore there was some sort of snub by the Taoiseach actually having the meeting that he had pre-scheduled being strongly contested by those in his camp. And Galvin, I guess the Taoiseach won't want those... um those uh, various things to overshadow the big gifting of the shamrock tomorrow. It's all this week of very high-level backslapping is all really leading up to that moment tomorrow. Is there a big tee-up to this meeting? Um, Are we expecting the usual out of it after the meeting between a typical annual meeting between the US president and the Taoiseach of this country? Well, it is a typical meeting, Claire, but it's, it's hard to know exactly what is typical when it comes to the individual personas, because although this is Joe Biden's third St. Patrick's Day as the serving US president, of course, he hasn't had a chance to meet in person with the Taoiseach before, because for the last two years, Micheál Martin has been having video calls, firstly from the other side of the Atlantic, and then secondly from the other side of the street, because last year, of course, famously, he tested positive for COVID the night before the meeting, and he ended up staying in Blair House, which is just right over the corner from where we are right now, literally across the street from the White House. So we don't really know exactly what the sort of tone or tenor will be, but Leo Varadkar did give us a little bit of a hint earlier on. Usually you would think of these affairs as, as you said, a little bit of backslapping, a little bit of bigosh and bigara, and a little bit of celebrating the historical ties between the United States and Ireland. But the Taoiseach, when he was giving us a hint earlier of what he planned to bring up, did suggest that there were a couple of points of contention that he did want to raise, particularly around Joe Biden's plans for dealing with inflation. Let's take a little listen. Keen to thank him for America's support for Ukraine. Um, American leadership at this time uh, is crucial. Um, America is not perfect. Uh, there are a lot of times when they make 
very big foreign policy errors, but largely speaking, it's been a force for good in the last few centuries. Um, uh, and then also uh, to have a chance to talk about our economic relationship, um, which is increasingly strong going both ways. We'll express some concerns about the Inflation Reduction Act um, uh, as a European economy uh, and as um, head of the government in Ireland. I don't want Europe and America to get into a subsidies race because uh, if we both end up subsidising our companies, um, we just cancel each other out uh, and we cancel each other out at the expense of each other's taxpayers. So just a little insight for what Leo Varadkar plans to raise with Joe Biden. And it was fascinating that he talk about one point of contention because otherwise, as he might argue, the two administrations will be largely singing off the same hymn sheet, particularly when it comes to issues of commons and concern like the future of Northern Ireland and the institutions there and, of course, the ongoing war in Ukraine. So that's what Leo Varadkar plans to raise at his bilateral meeting with Joe Biden. Technically speaking, he has two, if not even three, meetings with Joe Biden tomorrow. So he is here for the bilateral in the Oval Office in mid-morning Washington time. After that, he then goes to Capitol Hill, where he's the guest of honour at a speech thrown by the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. The President joins him at that. It's one of only two instances every year where the President goes to the Hill. The other one is the State of the Union Address, which just goes to show the clout that Ireland has. Then after that, it is back to the White House, and that is the ceremonial event at which the Bowl of Shamrock is presented. But that in itself is a chance for another bilateral meeting. And before all of that, he is at breakfast tomorrow with the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, someone Leo Varadkar has never met. But that itself is an institution created by Joe Biden. That annual breakfast thrown by the Vice President started by Joe Biden when he was vice president 14 years ago. So this program develops more and more arms every year as it goes on. And it is certainly a high-powered day of events for Leo Varadkar tomorrow in Washington. Gavin, thank you for bringing us up to date on everything stateside. We do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, just to get a bit of reaction, do you think that the, the Taoiseach should have had to apologise for that, Damien? Did you hear, hear the joke or the commentary? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a very big story. I genuinely don't think so. I think he was right to just apologise for what he had to say and just, just leave it at that and we'll see. I, I, I don't say anything more on it. Yeah, just, I, think, I, th I think the context, initially I was like, there's no need to apologise, I'm sorry. Um, but the context in which you realised there was a, a vulnerable young lady involved, you kind of go, actually... Well, actually, everybody's forgetting about Gary Condit, the politician who killed one of his interns. Um, look, it was a joke. Stop it, people. Yeah. When did we lose our sense of humour? It was a And for a politician, it was a good gag. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, I think in some sense it does humanise him a little bit. You know, it, it kind of makes us feel like, all right, he's, he's a regular person just like one of us, but at the end of the day, he's the Taoiseach and he's representing the country. So is there room for these kind of gags? I don't yes. necessarily think so. Of course there is. Oh, on such a big platform, we, we I think We complain that to... politicians are too boring mm. and they're too dull and they just go by the same hymn sheet. And then somebody comes out with what for a politician was actually a not half bad gag. <laughs> Uh, and then people mm. hopping in for it. And I do think, though, that uh, he shouldn't in no way have apologised unless he wanted to bring more attention to himself for being Ah, now you see, you cynical about that, Ian. We shall never know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if this rolls on into tomorrow and, in fact, if it's uh, brought up during that meeting. I just think the context that Gavin put it in, I was like, okay. Or the press conference afterwards, yeah. yeah uh, the context around that is... Uh, yeah, it's very true, yeah, and it does bring perspective on that and, and making that comments and where you're making those comments as well, even in an off-the-cuff way. Mm. OK, we're going to move on to it being a big weekend of sport as well. It's pretty huge. I mean, just look at what's happening over in Cheltenham. And then, of course, on Saturday, we have the Grand Slam decider and it's really all to play for and it's coming down to the big Ireland-England uh, game again. I mean, how excited... Uh, 
Are you about all of this, Keith? Is it a big deal? Is it going to be big in, in the Walsh household? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll be watching it. Uh, plans are being made. We, I, I think we've won it already, and I, and I, and I worry you saying that, but the big games... Oh, the, the, you the, can't the, say that. We're going to hammer them. We're going to hammer them. The big games have Absolutely. happened. Yeah, yeah. No, think, we will. I think the big games and the, 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 the dangerous, okay. the dangerous oppositions have happened. So we're re, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and for Johnny Saxon, I think it's a fitting uh, ending for him uh, just before the World Cup with his last Six Nations. I'm really, really excited to go to Cork to see the under-20s play against England. They're also playing for the Grand Slam. They've been really They've been exciting. They've brilliant matches. Absolutely They've had such brilliant. A, a brilliant run of it the as well. The likes of Sam Prendergast for the future. If you see someone like Johnny Sexton leaving, then uh, someone like Sam Prendergast playing for the mm. under-20s. Absolutely phenomenal. And like across the team, just a brilliant team. I'm really looking forward to going out to Cork to see them as well. It's just worth a mention. Yeah, as well. I just wonder the fact that England were, were so pummeled last weekend by France. I know, there's, there's no comeback. They're not going to improve that much. Like, we're going to win. We're going to win that. Simple as that. We will. I'll tell you now. I'll tell you, we're going to win. And it's so funny. It's so funny seeing English rugby so bad at the minute, you know? Mm. Again, we'll see what happens between now and the, the World Cup. But uh, like the horse race and what we're doing in Cheltenham is phenomenal. Like talk about Waterford, talk about the Queelys, the Gleasons, all the... That's also teed oh, up as another Ireland versus Ireland. England affair, yeah, isn't And it? we've won the cup already today. We've won it because we've uh, won 15 races already. But the, the De Bromheads, like the stories that are happening from there, it's just so... Brilliant! It's wonderful. The, uh, yes, when when um, when Rachel won yesterday, it was just so emotional. Oh. The tribute she made to young De Bromhead. Am I the only person here who can't stand horse racing? It goes beyond. Well, sometimes sport goes beyond. It's sport. a bunch of midgets whipping horses. Not at all. Right. Not at all. That's well, a stupid um, thing okay. to say. If it, if, if, Ian, I kind of can't let you say that. I really, well, really can't let you. Know, you I really if, can't let you say if that. If about there was no gambling involved, horses, you're an awful uh, gobbler sometimes. You know that. If, if there was no gambling involved, nobody would watch horse racing. I just think the story with the um, young De Bromhead and, and Rachel winning uh, on, I can't remember the name of the horse, but on uh, that Honey horse's la last. Yeah. And it was just an amazing story. It's a story of uh, of human endeavour, and it's been a difficult year for them. And she, the and, and, and she uh, such a such a difficult and tragic year for that family. And she has such she's such a wonderful sports person. She's really so. Can I just a come talent. in there briefly? How many because horses have died so far in this festival? Yeah, none as far as I know. Uh, at least one. Right. Okay. At least but one. Can I just come back because horses and humans have interacted for centuries before betting started. They're magnificent beasts. They are just. Again, mm. the king of animals, they talk about it. Like, obviously, you know nothing about it. And you're making a comment about something you know nothing about. All right. I know plenty I, about it. And the, you know, my, my that's silly. And people do, no, people do have, and connections, and people do have differing views. People do have differing views on horse racing. And certainly there are people out there who do have questions about the sport and 100%. around the gambling and everything around it. And that's fair enough. Um, but I, I just I want to move on to, in general, about sporting this weekend for Shauna. And for someone, and I know you're sitting here, probably going, Shauna <laughs> 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 in the middle. Saying, stop, please. <laughs> um, uh, do, do you get the hype? Do you get the interest in something like this showdown? between um, Ireland and England. Well, it's all ours, of course, to hopefully um, take, but do, do you get the excitement and the hype around that? Will your friends, say, from the States coming over be interested in, in catching a match like that? Even though I would never usually watch rugby throughout the rest of the year, I am definitely supporting Ireland this weekend. And I know my friends will be supporting Ireland as well. Um, and I can understand why, you know, the Irish people are behind um, Ireland, obviously. Uh, being against England, if you will. So I, I'm, I'm absolutely there to support, and I just, I suppose I don't get, I, the, uh, I don't get as excited as everybody else. This but is I think our for biggest this, yes. game since we played England in Croke okay. Park. Yeah, 
right? Because this will be the first time that we actually win a Grand Slam on home territory. Yeah. Uh, There's the emotion of Sexton and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be huge. And these two men on either side of me have annoyed the gods of rugby by being so smug and certain that we're going to win. Um, we're Irish. We should never be certain that we're going to win. Do you not think that, that that, I suppose, exudes a confidence that we're seeing within the team as well? They're very confident. They are, they are very confident that they're going to win the way they're going about this, the way they're, they're talking about it. it. It seems to be a very different attitude maybe going into, uh, yeah. going into well, this. Uh, one of the things that I find really impressive about them is that they're not swaggering their way around things. They're not being sort of condescending or dull. You know, they're, they're, they're quietly confident. And the thing is, the tag of being a favourite doesn't sit well with the Irish. Mm. It never has. We work better as an underdog. And we've seen Is that so changing? And it is changing. It is changing. And what I find really impressive, I mean, this could well be the greatest Irish team we've ever seen, despite all the, mm. the other brilliant players who've gone on before. Um, what I find really impressive is their comfort in having the tag of being favourites. Um, and, and being led by an excellent Englishman as well. We've got to hand that. Yeah, He's yeah. brilliant. What a coach. But the whole coaching team, like Leo Cullen from Leinster, Utah Mount Kennedy, where I'm from originally, fabulous. Like the whole connections there is amazing. But know? I'm still not going to predict an Irish win because I don't want to annoy the gods of rugby. And what we All have right, now well. is what we have now is a bunch of footballers, and it doesn't matter sort of who has the ball in their hand. They're going to they're going to do something. They're going to break lines. They're going to make a run. They're going to do something spectacular. Little handoff. Like they they all play okay. football. And they all—they're all footballers. Well, look, that's nice. been our—that's been our in-depth analysis. <laughs> <laughs> and Waterford to Michael Kenny as well. Oh, come on now! <laughs> I'm really glad we could cover all the sporting bases there. Um, I think it's been very insightful. So we know who's going to win come Saturday. Uh, well, we certainly hope we know who's going to win. And we'll have to leave it there. We've lots more coming up after this break, including a big, big change to Irish television. Stay with us. Brian Tuberty is to leave the Late Late Show after 14 years. The RTE broadcaster made the announcement this morning. He'll leave at the end of this season. Let's bring our panel in for more. And we're really lucky tonight to have uh, a couple of <laughs> RTE insiders with us in Damien and Keith. And really to look at the inner workings of this. And do you think, Damien, like, how much shock would there have been around this decision uh, which appears to be his own, yeah. to quit the late, late. A lot of shock internally within RTE. Firstly, he's a lovely guy, a really, really nice chap. My late then father-in-law drowned in a fishing tragedy many years ago. And I rang Ryan. I said, would you mind giving his uh, wife, his widow, a ring? And he rang her for 20 minutes for a chat. He does loads of stuff behind the scenes. He's a lovely, lovely guy. and want to wish him the very best. Um, he was never a journalist, per se. He's a broadcaster. So he's done some bad interviews. He's done some good interviews. Mm. He's very empathetic. Um, a lot of shock. I'd say, pre, looking at RT management and how they normally work these things is, it'll be an insider that'll be appointed. Mm -hmm. Not yourself or myself, Claire or Keith. I don't think so. I, I think Claire know. should. But maybe, no. There you Put are. Put your name forward. Um, <laughs> Definitely an insider, yeah. Definitely. Because, yeah, and normally yeah, somebody who's, been, uh, who's done the television show before, <laughs> they may want to look like they're changing it up a bit. So I'd say more than likely a, a woman. And I, the two main people that are in the running, I'd say, at the minute yeah. would be Miriam and Claire. So it'll be between them. But certainly, they'll, 
I don't see them doing a massive rejig of the, of the format. I'd say, I'd say it will stay as a two-hour show. It'll be a safe pair of hands that'll go in there. Ryan did a great job mm. being a safe pair of hands, and that's very important yeah. for RTE. Like, the thing about it is, Keith, like we say 14 years, I actually, until it was said today, I can't believe he, he's been doing the gig for that long. Maybe that goes to show how, you know, comfortable he was at the helm and how used everyone was to him doing the job. It's interesting because initially, uh, you know, as a new presenter and you take over from someone like Pat Kenny who took over from Gay Byrne and Pat did it for 10 years, I think. But like initially it was like, oh, he's, he's terrible. He can't, you know, it's, because it's different and people don't like change, you know, and, and, and you know, it starts off in this sort of like everyone's having a, a, a pop at you and giving out about you and you have to sort of like weather those storms. Which Pat and Kenny actually said today when he was... You know, got and, that then, and then from, as time goes Gaben. on, you're yeah. like, oh, he's the state. Like, and, and, you know, when he announces that he's leaving, everyone's like, what? what? what you? Like, you suddenly are the person that you're worried about, you know, leaving. And, and now it's change, you know? So it, it, it's a funny old thing, but um, he's been, like, we talk about who's going to do the job next. And you mentioned Claire and, uh, and Miriam, and, and I'd say they're the four runners. But yeah. you, it's a big decision. It's a, it's a, it's a big undertaking. It's a like big salary. The, 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 it's, a, it's a lot of money. <laughs> Too but big the, a salary. But the life you have to live... The things you have to, the way you have to live your life, you have to be very careful about what you say and who you speak to and where you are and what you're doing and all. It's kind of like being the Taoiseach or something like that, you know? He has to live his life a certain way and Would you then, put him up there in the same stature of being, as being the Taoiseach or would you, you know, bigger. do you think it's in that? Do you I think, think being the late, late show host is... Well, in the past, Gay Byrne certainly would have I think had it's a bigger. I think it, is, it, is, it is arguably he like can't go among any, the most high-profile I've been with him in the, in the public. He can't leave, he can't be on the street. Yeah. Because suddenly he's surrounded by hundreds of people. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like it's an awful job presented the late night because the consequences of the public own you. You have given up your right to a private life. Um, Ryan has done fairly well to try and keep as much of his private as he can. And I have to say, and I'd just like to say on the record, I'm very fond of Ryan. He's a nice guy. Um, I've been on the late night on numerous occasions and I'd never. There's sometimes you do a show and you go, God, I wouldn't mind being the host of that, Claire. Uh, <laughs> but, the, um, but then any time I was on the late late, whether it was under Pat or whether it was under Ryan, just go, this is a tough gig. This is the, this is the most poisoned of all the chalices mm. in Irish broadcasting and the public own you. Yeah. Also, though, I mean, very comfortably, very high ratings, a real ratings winner and something, you know, many water cooler moments over the years. So in terms of, I, I guess, where the show goes from yeah. here, Trishana, like, it, it's, it's so unusual. I mean, this is the, it's an outlier in the, in the concept that it started out as, you know, the, the advent of TV, how exciting to have a couple of hours of live TV with a big entertainment show at the end of the week. And the fact that this has now continued right into 2023, when we view television so differently, um, when we, you know, can't get the stars coming flying into uh, Dublin every Friday night, it, it does make it a very difficult task. The question is, is it in need of a reboot now? I think so, definitely. And I think this is the opportunity to have that reboot. You know, somebody else new coming in. I think they're perfect candidates and lots of female presenters that would absolutely do a spectacular job. I think there's but do you think big would, boots to fill. Do you think it's just a presenter-led reboot rather than looking at the whole concept of the show, the idea of having a two-hour live programme? I understand, but if, sorry, yeah. if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. As a model of bringing in revenue, it works. Mm. And that's what RT would if be If they saying. change it, mm. the late late's finished. P potentially, absolutely, yeah. So, 
Sorry. I think there's room for change. I think uh, we saw yeah. it over the pandemic. It took on a different format. You know, there were a lot of uh, live Skypes and a lot of big stars as well. So why not have, you know, a format like that again? And I think it's absolutely possible. This is the time, if it, especially if we're changing it up with presenter, then now we can definitely look at a new format. I'd love to I'd love to see an episode of The Night Light where they don't actually interview somebody who also works for RTE. That's really irritating. <laughs> thing, it's yeah. really, really annoying. Um, it's it can a, be it, difficult to get good guests, though. But it's very difficult. I mean, and this the comparison is always made with the Graham Norton show over in the Beeb, where they get everyone oh. flying in to promote their latest movie. Absolutely no problem. He'll have them all squished, squished up on the, well, on no, the red the Graham, sofa. Graham has, a booker go, Graham has a book going around with a bag full of cash. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, 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 RT it's, don't have that. It's a very, it's a very uh, different thing. And therefore, with those challenges, is it still working in that sort of, you know, two-hour uh, format as it is and being the live programme it is? Because you have to remember... Of course, Graeme Norton's isn't live. That's a pre-recorded yeah. show. They're, they're pre-recorded and, and show the best bits. But I think Trishan was right that it, it will change because you've seen it under Ryan. It's evolving. And you can mm. see those moments where you'll have a round sort of table discussion and you'll have some musicians and they'll have a little session and they'll have a chat. And then, they, you know, he'll bring in the country singers and they'll sing a song and she'll sing a song. And Like, there's, there's, it is changing. Like, it's not where it was when Gay had it and it's not where it was when Pat had it. I think Graham Callaghan would be a really will good host. continue to evolve gradually. So they don't spook yeah. the horses they still keep the money coming who do in. The, who do the toy show, I wonder? Like, imagine Tommy Tiernan doing the toy show. That'd be some crack. Well, I, I, I that, that's work, probably really. the most difficult uh, Blind boy replacement the there show. because uh, <laughs> I, I think people associate it so much because Ryan Tuberty certainly made that yeah. one show of the year his own and really put his uh, stamp on it. But talking to kind of how you change with the times, as Keith mentioned there, look, the advent, and we talked about social media before, but how that comes into it and how we actually, you know, view TV now. A lot of people don't sit down and watch a full two-hour live programme. So the ratings have gone down a little bit. digitally afterwards. And yeah, you know, it, ha it has gone down a little so bit. They have to look at how they how they do that and how they adapt. Yeah, they do. But as you say, some shows are pre-recorded, like the, the Graham Norton, Tommy Tiernan show is pre-recorded and edited. So the great thing about the Late Late Show is that it's live. Maybe reinvent that liveness in some respect. Like there's really good producers in RT that I'm sure will be looking at this now as an opportunity. But I would say at the minute, the main concept of how the Late Late Show works will stay as it is. I can't see the format changing too much because, as you say, if it does change, it's, it's, it's going into an area that nobody knows where it's going to go. And imagine Ireland without the Late Late Show. You talked earlier about what is Ireland, you know what I mean? And people say, oh, it's not as good as the Graham Norton Show or whatever. It can't possibly be as interesting. I can never get that level of guests. And nor should it actually try because it'll just fail and it'll be seen to try, seen to fail. And then Ian and, won't get on it. And I, I mean, can you imagine what a tragedy for the nation? But you know? that, 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 the idea of a programme that uh, uh, Trishona like combines the light and shade. Do you think that's really important that it shouldn't be stuck into you know more light entertainment or you know that that we should be it should be a, a show that covers everything. We can have a show that covers everything and it should be a show that covers everything. You know, Ireland is about the crack as well and, you know, mm. the laughter. And I think you don't just want it to be, you know, heavily news. Uh, you want something that's going to be a variety. And I think there there's plenty of scope for that. And as I mentioned as well, over the pandemic, when they were able to get some of the bigger stars in, why not do that again? You know, we can yeah. do that. We don't have to have them necessarily I suppose live they're all in there. They're all busy out and about again yeah. as well. So that's, some well, that's the other challenge. The, the impact of the interview okay. with the two BlackRock abuse survivors, yeah. no other programme right. could have delivered well, that impact. We're going to have to leave it there. That was indeed a powerful interview. Thanks to all my panellists tonight. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and TikTok. 
all over social media. Uh, from all the late team here, good night and take care. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.